At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, everybody, welcome to Conspiracy Normal. And uh, we have John Chadwick with us returning. Uh, I think John, it's been it's been about three years since we had you on before. Yeah, but, it's been uh, a while. So it's we uh, we kind of want to jump right in, really, because you had some concerns about AI, about artificial intelligence, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. I think there's a lot of concern these days about artificial intelligence and how, how it's a, especially with chat gpt and how it's affecting our culture how it's affecting the academic world and how it might impact the future uh i know that there is a rider strike going on right now in yeah. the united states i don't think that's going on internationally but there is one here in the united states so um, I've been wondering where some of the shows that I like to watch every week have gone, and I realize, oh well, shit, it's the it's the writer strike going on. Well, one of the issues is not the entire issue, but a big issue with the writer strike is that some of them feel like they're about to be replaced by things like Chat GPT, and I know this is something that also you have. Um, been concerned about being a designer as well that designers could get replaced by artificial intelligence programs that are being used but you wrote this like it was i read it today it was like all this like bullet points on the history of ai but we don't have to go i guess too much through that but I, I was surprised by how big it to. was when I printed it out, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's a very informative, very informative, very interesting outline that you that you sent to us. And we could, if you want, we could probably make that available on like the, the show notes or something. Oh, absolutely. Give it away. Um, Me and John been talking about this uh, privately a lot because being an illustrator, he's really caught the first wave. Of course, everyone remembers when these... Uh, AI apps started getting really big on social media and everyone just having a, a great time, uh, you know, making these, these creations, but uh, it started to actually impact John's profession and people he knew personally. And so he really started to uh, 
start talking about it and warning everybody about this kind of imminent cultural uh, apocalypse for creators and it's uh that's why the writers are worried because uh next up you know it's it looks like it's going towards literary things um like scripts uh, it's already affecting uh, the academic world and uh, i already know teachers who uh told me you know he doesn't know what is or what isn't ai generated coming from students and there's just so many unforeseen uh consequences and of course the the logic of of the market and technology is going to mean that it's just going to happen even if uh it shouldn't happen so uh john i just want you to um introduce your your story well okay so if i was to go as far back as to when technology first started to impact my life um i was um, an animator originally um i was uh trained at university to be an animation filmmaker um uh, i qualified in about 1996 and so i was just at that cusp where the british animation industry was um, the be-all and end-all because of Ardman and um, all kinds of other things that had been happening. I mean, something like Nightmare Before Christmas, for example, that was, although it had Tim Burton's name to it, it was basically all British uh, craftsmen working on that and animators. We were a big thing. Uh, British animation was the uh, huge envy of the world. And bit by bit, that just pretty much collapsed due to funding and also the introduction of um, CGI. And what's interesting is that if you look at a film like Jurassic Park, when that came out, uh, Phil Tippett, the famous Phil Tippett, who did all of the animation for the Star Wars films, Indiana Jones films, Robocop, Terminator, which I'm sure we'll come back to, um, he actually said that he was replaced but because he also had a paleontology background, they brought him in and he ended up like leading the show on Jurassic Park and doing all of the um, animation. Um, so, okay, so with the British side of things, uh, there was an old contact of mine, a guy called Barry Purvis, who was internationally renowned um, animation filmmaker, uh, but not particularly in this country. He was more respected abroad where they had more of an interest in animation. Uh, believe it or not, we were world leaders, but yet mainstream-wise, it was nothing. He was uh, brought in by Tim Burton to do Mars Attacks and very quickly found out that it wasn't going to be stunned with stop motion anymore um, and um, it was all going to be done with CG. And so he was completely dropped. All the production had been done, all of the... Puppets had been made, everything was there. And then Tim Burton just went, no, it's going to be easy to do it like that. And so that went, and that pretty much crashed a huge portion of the British industry and to the point where the last time that I saw Barry, uh, he was working in Woolworths. He'd gone from being this internationally famous um, guy leading the charge of his um, of his art to basically working in Woolworths. I mean, this That's is how long ago that was. Store, right? Yeah, because Woolworths has gone bust now anyway, hasn't it? Right. Um, the good news was that he was picked up by Peter Jackson and taken out to uh, work on King Kong. So there's a bonus for him. Um but that's when things started to I noticed an impact. Uh, bit by bit, 
I ended up going into academia and I was lecturing in animation at uh, the University of Teesside, which at the time, but I'm not sure where it, really anymore whether or not it is but it was supposed to be the place um in uh in britain to uh to study animation um to the point where sheridan college in ontario that was uh that feeds all of the animators straight into disney um they were headhunting me because i was from teesside which was very peculiar so that was the kind of uh, stature that that we had um whether or not it was deserved or not <laughs> I'm not one to comment on, <laughs> but um, certainly uh, everything had gone CG. Um, even the fact that some of us were still using computers to do 2D animation, it was still CGI animation. And that was feeding into the film industry and into the games um, industry. I mean, ex-students of mine had worked on things like Happy Feet and Hannibal and all kinds of stuff, The Matrix. Um all kinds of stuff like that. So uh, I was quite embedded into that kind of world to do with that kind of technology because a lot of what we were teaching and delivering was all CG. Mm. And one of the things that I noticed more and more was that the human aspect of the animation within that software was getting replaced by drag and drop files. So um, information had already been created uh in the form of motion capture, which you could then just take and drop onto a computer-generated model. And you could use almost like sliders, um, faders, to slide one movement into the next. Mm. So already the craftsmanship and the skill needed to have that knowledge of like Newtonian physics and movement and all kinds of things like that, weight, um, um, pretty much was slowly starting to go. What position it's in now, I don't know, because I left that industry altogether. Um, I left academia to uh, wanting to write, and um, bit by bit from that, I was, well, started doing illustration, which were safe careers. Um, and uh, so pretty much over the period of about 15 years, I think I've slowly built up to the point where um, the work has been solid. Um, I've been getting all kinds of um, contracts from um, album cover design to book cover design to magazine covers uh, to the first comic that I started to work on, the first issue of which is going to be released um, fairly shortly, I believe. I'm waiting on starting on the second issue. And um, so I was starting to make a name for myself. While I was working on some of these last few projects, so within the last, I would say, six months to a year, I started to see people using um, these strange bits of software and putting things up on Facebook of things that they'd made, mm -hmm. which looked almost like simulacra. You know, it yeah. was like, uh, Rorschach tests. It was like, you, you can see something in it, but what the hell is that? And I was just looking at thinking, well, that's shit. Right. <laughs> so I'm not paying much attention to it. And then it got better within a very short space of time and better and better and better to the point where um, an old friend of mine literally sent me something on, actually tagged me on Facebook with the, the thing saying, ha ha, John, 
this is the future of your career. Um, which was harsh, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. <laughs> but um, I kind of project an image. I, I'm very much aware of my image on social media is that I'm as quick to take the piss out of myself as I am to take the piss out of everybody else. Um, and there's a lot of humour and what have you that was happening on my Facebook profile page, and I wasn't trying not to take it myself far, very seriously. Um, and so it, it, there was an atmosphere of vibe going on there that he could do that and without it causing me any um, hurt. Um, so, Jay, if you're listening to this, please be aware I'm not actually upset with you at all, although it may have looked that way when I spat my dummy out and walked off Facebook. <laughs> um, um, because that is exactly what I did. Um, it got absolutely ridiculous. Uh, people that I knew who should have known a hell of a lot better, who would have called themselves socialists, um, um, supporting every right on cause going, um, absolutely as woke as woke can be, and you know, woke has become like a dirty word now, um, which I have mixed feelings about, to be honest, because I'm a fairly liberal person and I believe in let, live and let live, to be perfectly honest. Um, but um, it just seemed to be the last people that they were prepared to support were artists. Mm-hmm. Um, why is it that if there was a strike somewhere to do with steel workers or dockers, they would be posting things saying, you know, help these people out. But they were actively encouraging these art creation, AI um, programs, which was training on what they were producing, um, as well as, as it turned out, to be literally just going right across the internet and taking anyone's artwork that is out there as its data set. And by data set, for those people who don't understand, this is the, if you like, the library of data, of information that that program will use to generate new images. So um, put it this way, if you were to take the Mona Lisa by Leonardo da Vinci um, and use that on a book cover, you would be in serious trouble because all of the images of that painting are actually uh, belong to the Louvre Gallery who owned the painting but have commissioned the photographs. Mm-hmm. So that piece of artwork that you are using belongs to somebody for their own purposes. And that's okay because that's capitalism. Um, sorry, I'm getting messages here. Um, so that's what that pinging noise is. So the same thing works for everybody else. As an artist, you have what's known as um, intellectual property over anything that you create. People may be influenced by each other. Um, I mean, as an example of that, uh, the cartoonist Jim Davis, who did Garfield, for example, was um, inspired by cartoonist Robert Crumb, who came before him, uh, and his character Fritz the Cat was what informed Garfield, although it was much cruder and pornographic and everything, um, because it was the 60s, part of the counterculture. 
So you can be inspired by and you can be informed by. You may even train yourself to draw like somebody and that might become integrated into your drawing style. That's all fine. There's no problem with that at all. But if your image is actually being used by somebody else for their financial gain without any recompense to you, then that is an infringement upon your uh, your property. It's theft. Mm-hmm. So what this these programs were doing was literally stealing anything from anywhere it could find an image, including everyone's photographs here um, and who were listening to this, all of your photographs on Facebook. That's right. Every single photograph that you have put up on Facebook was being stolen and being used to train this AI, which was basically undermining my entire industry and um, basically making us all absolutely defunct. Um, So I spat my dummy out and I told people they should be ashamed of themselves. And I probably went further than I intended to. (laughs) And I may not have looked that good. Um, but um, I'd pretty much had it with Facebook anyway, despite the fact that I use Messenger still to be Same in here. contact with people. But I, do, yeah. I, do, I on, otherwise, I don't really use Facebook at all unless I'm, uh, you know, uh, promoting something. And right. that doesn't actually pay off anyway, so it's, it's barely worthwhile doing. Um, so, um, yeah, I may have looked like, a, like I was having a toddler temper tantrum, but I really, really felt it. Like this extremely is extremely personal. I mean, you should, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, um, I have mixed feelings because uh, I'm an electronic music artist and and uh, sample based music artist. I'm definitely a sample outlaw. And some of the, I think the you know most revolutionary music in the last decades has been um, totally outlaw based sample absolutely. music. Uh, um, the prodigy said they were pirates. Yeah, but it's there's a difference. It would it would be like a uh, like visual collage uh, that uses you know actual um, clippings or something like that would be like a visual equivalent. And in no way is that removing the human element. I think you know that's what's even on the copyright issues is that um, is human culture actually going to be replaced? Well, um, as far as um, the illustration industry, uh, um, that's happened already. Uh, um, I've been working with uh, Dr. Chris McCauley, who some people's uh, some people out there might know his name from um, his involvement in all kinds of franchises. Um, he worked on The Mandalorian. He worked on uh, um, the Book of Boba Fett. Um, he has been writing for Doctor Who. He's been writing for uh, Terminator, um, all kinds of things. He's uh, done comics with William Shatner, all manner of things. He's a friend of mine. He's an Irish guy that uh, that I that I know. And I've been working with him. And as this was happening, Chris was keeping my head straight, um, and uh, basically telling me, you know, don't panic. We're going to be we're going to be okay. I'm not going to be working with any AI. I'm only going to be working with artists. You know, I'm a big fan of your work. I'm going to support you. All this kind of stuff, um, which was great 
because I was starting to get sleepless nights and I was starting to wake up with a spinning head and I was starting to feel like the anxiety was getting to that uh, point where perhaps I should start seeing a doctor. Um, that's how bad it got. Um, wow. And um, so he, he kept my head in the game. Well, you said you had, because you had switched career paths and you thought this would be yeah more stable. safe. Yeah. Absolutely. There was no, the thought, if somebody had said to me a year ago, this is how quickly this has happened. Someone said to me a year ago, computers are going to be creating illustrations and they're going to be putting you out of um, out, out of a career. I would have laughed and said, don't be so ridiculous. Um, so I understand it when people are saying this to me <laughs> because they are saying mm -hmm. this to me. Um, and it's like, no, this is happening already. Um and it's happening quickly and it's getting better and better. Not just, but it's, it was about um, every month it was getting better. It's getting better on a weekly basis. Um, I can't tell the difference between the work that it's producing from human work. And mainly that is because it is using human work to generate the images. Right. Without any uh, permission or architecture of legality or anything. Well, uh, there's been um, a couple of things that have happened. For example, Facebook have made a big song and dance with one of the companies. Um, I can't remember which one it one it was. Um, it might have been OpenAI with Dali, or it might have been the Mid Journey, uh, because it turned out that they had scraped all these images straight off Facebook. Right. Uh, of course. You know, that isn't one person sitting there going through random profiles, stealing all of their holiday photographs. Um, this is basically mined by an AI. Um, and the opportunity for them to have done that in the first place, let's face it, has been sold to them by Facebook. So they can't really complain because that's what Facebook does. If you want to know where the product is in Facebook, it's you. You are the product. Whenever it's free. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's not free. Um, and um, and so you've signed over all kinds of things. And the way that the algorithms work and everything, they know you better than you know yourself. Uh, and that has been proven to be the case by people who have asked for their data to be released from all kinds of websites. Um, I mean, it's as ridiculous as, as this now with these algorithms that uh, anybody out there who's used a dating web, uh, website may have noticed that they're not getting very many dates. And that's partly due to the fact that the people that are up there aren't real. Uh, they are bots. And the people who are getting the dates are other bots. So dating websites <laughs> are full of bots dating each other. And the human hasn't got a look in. In the meantime, you're still giving that company money. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, and people have been talking about all kinds of things like sinks. Oh, God, that's a synchronicity. It's amazing. I was just thinking about this, and now it's popped up on my screen. How's it's it? Algorithm. It's an algorithm. So um, although I absolutely, and as you know, both know, I, I love the Hellier uh, yeah. TV program, uh, and I vanished down a rabbit hole with that as well, where um, I was getting synchronicities from it. Um, a lot of the synchronicities that they were getting were actually um, computer algorithms off the internet. Uh, the real world ones, however, 
well, no, that was weird. Uh, but I think that that was made at a time when um, whether or not the algorithms were being totally understood and recognized, I don't know. Um, but those algorithms, that is AI, that's artificial intelligence already. Uh, we wouldn't be having this conversation via Zoom uh, now if it wasn't for AI. It's in there. It's in your computers. It's in your computer games. It's in your phones. It's everywhere. Right. Uh, so I think the phone listens to you too. So I have it on good authority that Alexa doesn't. She's categorically said to me, if Alexa is listening into your conversations um, and stealing your information, etc., she said, I would know about it. I trust her enough that, um, that that's fair. Um, however, I'm, I'm also aware of the fact that she works for a, a major corporation, the largest company in the world, and that um, she would have been having to sign documentation to stop releasing any information to people like me anyway. So I take it with a pinch of salt. <laughs> and she'll be listening to this, and I hope she's laughing. Yeah, so that's basically it. Um, bit by bit, I've ended up hearing um, before the information has been released publicly that companies were already planning on getting rid of their artists. Um, one of them was uh, the uh, cult comic strip um, magazine, 2000 AD, um, long before they put out that they were getting rid of all of their artists uh, in favour of uh, AI. I heard this from people um, that I know in the industry. Um since I uh, found out uh, Tim Mendes that um, I was co-hosting the Innsmouth Book Club podcast with, um, go and have a listen, that's great. Um, I'm not that much involved with it at the moment, um, but they're still going, it's brilliant. Um, his friend was working for 2000 AD, and the first he knew that he was out was a email telling him basically that your services are no longer required. Um, comic book is the thing that you would think would be the most, you know, reliant on illustration. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to, why would you even want to look at a comic that was made by a computer? I just don't understand. Well, it, interestingly enough, DC Comics did it years back. They did a CG version of Batman. Um, and it obviously didn't work out very well because they didn't repeat the, repeat it. Um, Certainly, uh, 2000 AD have been using a lot of Photoshop. They did a Slain comic strip that was basically in that collage style that you were talking about, uh, made up from photographs. And it looked kind of weird, to be perfectly honest. But th that is basically what you will now be getting. Um, I don't know about Marvel and DC, hmm. but um, Marvel's owned by Disney. So come on, <laughs> let's face it. <laughs> um, I mean, you just have to look at basically the stuff that they've been churning out as far as cinema for the past uh, uh, 10, 15 years at least. And it's um, paint by numbers, mm -hmm. completely formulaic. Um, if they can get away without paying people, they are going to. Disney have got that in their blood. Uh, Disney himself um, had problems with his workforce, which is where he got the idea from the costumes from for Disneyland. Um, I don't know if people know that or not, but that's because their workers were dressing up as the characters on the picket line and saying uh, the characters are on strike. 
um, and his attitude was to fire them and then report them all as communists to Joe McCarthy. Um, so, um, you know, um, they haven't got the best the best record yeah, yeah. for looking after artists, particularly during the period of um, accountants uh, writing the films. Um, so films like Over the Hedge, etc. The reason why those films are terrible is because the plots were all jumbled up and redone and bits from here and bits from there all being thrown together because of things to do with uh, uh, merchandising, um, taking centre stage. So Disney aren't going to care. Um, they haven't cared about Star Wars fans um, so why are they going to care about the people working for them, the artists? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Well, yeah, and it seems like the, the arts have been this easy target uh, because, like you said, for some reason, people view it as some kind of privilege to even create art, you know, much less uh, be compensated monetarily for it for some reason uh, i'm definitely familiar with those type of issues but um also i think that what's driving this is you know the uh the social media environment everyone needing to be a content creator etc and so uh, you can have ai generate this content of course the entire uh, social media world and computer world phone world is primarily a visual medium so for instance, like, you know, as a music person, it's impossible to market music at all without tons and tons of visual content. Visual has to lead everything. So it seems like this environment is really um, setting the arts up to be the first to really be cannibalized by this type of stuff. Um, well, just to emphasize that point, um, my partner was uh, out for a coffee last week with a friend of hers who works for Adobe, who make Photoshop, etc. Um, the industry standard art and design uh, packages. And she raised my concern because she's been trying to uh, keep me calm for a while now and telling me, I don't think it's going to happen. This isn't going to kill art, blah, 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 blah. Um, and I've been trying to emphasize it's not going to kill art. People will still be creating art. Right. It will. It's killing commercial art, the and that isn't the same. Be. Yeah. Th this isn't the same as fine art. This isn't uh, going to affect Banksy um, or um, any of those kind of people. Um, the Jeff right. Coons of the world. Uh, they'll still be putting basketballs in glass frames and urinals in art galleries, um, so <laughs> that you know. 1% of the uh, of the human species can go and have a look because no one else is. I can tell you that. Um, but the popular, so, like what you participate in. The commercial art is, as this guy from Adobe said to her, um, yes, that's gone already. And then he said, gone yesterday. So from Adobe's point of view, um, that basically means that who's going to be using their software? So what they've done is they've created um, an AI art um, program themselves called Firefly, which um, instead of stealing art from around the internet is using their stock library. So any artist using any of their equipment can make images and put it up into their stock library where uh, other 
publishers can come along, have a look at artwork and go, oh, I like that one and pay Adobe um, a fixed amount of money and then the artist a fixed amount of money for the use of that piece of artwork. You know, like Mona Lisa or something. But although that sounds very ethical, in reality, it's kind of not because one of the things that you've got to do is you've got to, and this, how often is this happening now um, with the internet? You've got to opt out if it's going to be used with AI. It's your responsibility to say, mm -hmm. I don't want my art being used. Um, and, um, and, and no one else's. Otherwise, it just will be, be used in the training, which is going to undermine the industry even further. Um, and it's going to be basically um, using the royalty cut isn't anywhere near as big as what they were paying if your photograph was just to be used from the stock library. So what they're actually doing is saying, oh, well, we'll use it, and that's ethical. We're not going to pay you that much. So that's the situation. Well, I see um, it um, coming to music next, and it already is. It's already, it has already. in like a playful form. Um, um, there's been Jay-Z has been ripped off, hasn't there, recently? Yeah, I've been seeing, you know, dead rappers being, you know, having their voices switched and things like that. And then there's already a lot of tools that producers of music are using to uh, just pull melodies out of the air and things like that. But the way that the economics of music is set up, it makes me think that what if like you have an app and they could just endlessly generate a, like your Spotify, they could just endlessly generate AI music and then prioritize that over human music in the algorithms because they didn't have to, they wouldn't have to pay publishing to artists, you know, like there's so many consequences just in the cultural right. sector. Well, and, but you've also got this yeah. where basically artists might not want to be bothered with work. So why use their own voice when they can just have it already emulated? So they can just yeah. type in the lyrics and get it done. The yeah. entertainment contracts and especially, you know, music is based on your, your likeness. So maybe you just, you know, you walk into some room with, you know, uh, cameras all around. They capture your naked body. They uh, get you to say a, a certain amount of words and sing a certain way. And then they've just got you for whatever your contract. They're definitely going to want to capture my naked body. I can tell you. He says, <laughs> pouring himself a beer. <laughs> yeah, but, that's what the world wants. <laughs> But I mean, it's like what to me, it's a it's a, as existential thing as a creative person, because it, not not only, you know, in my endeavors for the future, but in what it means to be human uh, without culture, without our stories, without art and music. I just I don't see what the point is and why, you know, how can you give that to something else? That is one it's of terrifying. the huge, huge um arguments that is going on and being debated and it has been actually for um pretty much the last 10 years but because it, this information hasn't really been getting out it's been kept within that kind of academia kind of um, group um but um there's uh, let me check this guy's name because i keep forgetting it nick bostrom uh, who's a philosopher has been writing about this stuff for uh, a long time now um, and it's been one of the he's been one of the major critics of where AI is going to and warning people of where it's going to and what it could mean to us um, and an existent, as an absolute existential threat 
So quite a lot of the information that I've got um, has come from him, as well as um, a couple of guys called Barnheiser, I believe. Um, the, the Nick Bostrom book that's really worth reading, although it is actually a little bit behind the times now, because it was published in 2016, is called Super Intelligence, Paths, Dangers and Strategies. And that's one of the ones that is mostly cited. Um, his big argument is pretty much that we are releasing something that could end up being like a god, um, that it actually doesn't require us to reproduce itself. So it can procreate, it can get more intelligent, it can do science faster than we can, maths faster than we can, so it can become technically advanced beyond us. Mm -hmm. um, that we as a species have forgotten how to fix and mend things. Like, you know, um, back in the Victorian times, if something that you owned broke, you'd fix it yourself with rivets and, uh, and, and metal and what have you, replace a wheel here or there or replace a cog. You'd, you'd do that work yourself. How many of us know how to fix an iPhone? Right. How, ma how many of us know how to fix a car these days? Right. Sir Fiona and I were having this discussion not that long ago. Yeah, Adam's been running into some of this stuff. Well, yeah. well I work right. on my 1966 Ford Classic. <laughs> yeah, right. When you had actual interchangeable parts, now everything is proprietary. Now yeah. everything is heavily computerized. Yeah. Yeah. My, my car... My car tells me if I go over the middle of the road, um, um, it, it occasionally tries to pull it back left. That's not because I'm always trying to, to to drive on the other side of the road, but there's times when you may have to because there's cars parked, right? Yeah. Um, it quite often tries to pull me back in, and it's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're trying to you're trying to kill me. <laughs> um, it's done it a few times at weird junctions that are kind of at the wrong angle. Uh, as well and it's like um, no you're going left i'm going i'm not i'm going right it may look to you like i'm going to head into that car but i'm going to turn <laughs> turn a bit to be able wow. to keep going um, straight well um you know i mean all this is just the cultural stuff but to me if we lose human created culture then we might as well be in a post-apocalyptic nuclear wasteland you know what well, matters is gone that's how we've got to being where we are anyway. Um, the society that we live in, certainly in the West, is one very much based upon um, science and economy. Um, and people don't realise that actually that's not that really uh, an ancient thing, you know. Uh, people really spent a lot of time doing all kinds of wonderful things and um, and money may not have been so much of an interest. I mean, people talk about capitalism um, a lot and the dangers of capitalism. Well, um, capitalism has afforded us a hell of a lot of freedom and a hell of a lot of good things. And anybody who doubts that um, should have seen what it was like in Russia before it uh, it collapsed. It God was the kings. really god-awful. Um you know, um, so yes, capitalism has given us lots and lots of great things. If you thought that you'd be listening to rock and roll today without capitalism, then <laughs> you're having a laugh. 
Um, but as with all of these things, I guess there's always going to be somebody exploited, right? I mean, um, I don't think Led Zeppelin ever gave any money to any of the original blues artists that they totally uh, ripped off, um, plagiarized. Um, so with all of this stuff, there's always going to be winners and there's losers. It just so happens that it's the creative industry uh, that are being the one ones targeted. Whereas in the past, when we had technological advances, it it wouldn't have been the case. It would have been the people doing uh, the grunt work, uh, the repetitive jobs, um, things like uh, cotton, wool, trade, all kinds of things like this, where you had machinery come in. Right. And obviously there was a group of people called the Luddites that fought against a lot of those uh, machines and everything. They actually weren't annoyed with the technology like people think that they were. They weren't technophobic. They were actually pro-people's employment rights. Um, and that's how I feel as well. Yeah. I'm not against technology. I'm not against progress. But I'm pro the fact that, you know, for God's sake, it, what, what is going to be here for our children? Yeah. What are they going to do with their lives to, that's going to make it fulfilling for them? Because whether or not people like it or not, work actually gives people a purpose and it, it fulfills people. Well, and you shared um, that, that tweet about, you know, the irony that this technological future that was promised, giving up these uh, tasks to machines and manufacturing and labor and things like that are going to allow us to just spend our time creating culture, basically. But now, yeah. like, the, you know, those jobs are still going to be here, at least for, for some foreseeable future. But the creative things are being outsourced to the artificial intelligence. That's what I wanted to say. It's like the point that I want to make is that, and this is very much this Wall Street Journal article, that um, Serviol and I used to talk about the manufacturing, that this was going to happen in the manufacturing industry, the industrial place, that it was going to be the blue collar workers that were going to get screwed because they, the, ha they have been already. I mean, yeah, because yeah. that's the tradition. The industrialization <laughs> right. in the 80s right. was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> The but, tradition but, is is to screw the pill first. Yeah, so you so um, you were going you were going to have this extreme automation where these people were going to be out the door, right? Food service industry might be the same way, um, but it seems with ChatGPT, and it's only it's not even been around a year. ChatGPT has just changed the game so much that you've got these white collar people that are now afraid of their of their losing their jobs. Whereas before they weren't as afraid yeah. anymore. But it's going to affect, apparently, according to um, articles and what have you that I've been reading, because these are coming thick and fast. I mean, I've been reading them from the New York Times, from the Washington Post, from the Guardian. Um, it's all over the British news as well. This is a hot topic at the moment. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of people out there saying, oh, this is doom laden. This is just another doom story that always comes around. It's never going to happen because they never do. Um, well, look, this is a serious enough that governments are starting initiatives to deal with the fallout and the unemployment coming. Um, wow. The U.S. Department of Defense have apparently already put a strategy together uh, in what happens if civil war breaks out in the U.S., due to the unemployment rate what was the uh, what was the amount was it something like 50% of all jobs will be going uh between US and the UK 
um, that was, I think, from Nick Bostrom um, um, back in 2016. And, um, and that's actually not going to be the case. It's going to be more than that. And um, when I say jobs, I'm not talking about individual jobs of, um, yeah. I don't know, Dave down the road working in the, uh, at the mechanics. We're talking about job roles. Mm-hmm. So however many people are actually in that role could be millions and millions of people. Um, the areas where you're going to see the growth happening and where the jobs that are, might be being created are where the tech companies are. And the tech companies are mainly in the U.S., and as always, um, around the edges, whatever's in the middle, it's sink or swim, um, which is depressing. If this ends up being like the Great Depression of 1929, which it's forecast that it will be, and let's say this only affects the United States, um, the knock-on effect of that is actually going to affect the entire global economy. Mm-hmm. So it won't just affect the United States. In the same way that when Lehman's Brothers Bank collapsed, that affected everybody. Um, And I believe that that started with a bank in Iceland, which had basically given too many mortgages out that couldn't be be repaid. And so that bubble went pop and it took everybody else with them. Um, The entire thing is based on American consumption. Well, absolutely. At the moment, obviously, the dollar is the international trading currency. Um, although you've got Brinks uh, countries, Brazil, India, China, and Russia, uh, trying to come together to kind right. of like have their own thing going. That's still going to be um, real marginal for a while. They've actually got more of the um, global economy currently. Would you believe? Right, but I mean this this That's currency actually been reported. Yeah, I don't even know what it is. Um, but um, yeah, I mean those are up, up and coming countries. China is almost certainly on set to become the world superpower very soon, unless something drastically changes. Um, America, I guess, has got to remain um, in a prime position because actually that benefits the world. And I'm not saying this uh, because I'm completely and utterly pro-American. Um, I'm a Brit. Um, I don't live in America. In fact, I don't think I would be able to live in America. I don't think America would have me. Um, <laughs> I certainly couldn't get medical insurance. So, uh, you know. <clears throat> so to start off with, yeah, we need America to be in that position because America is, I know they had the, the film was taking the piss out of it, Team America, but America is the world peacekeeper. Uh, the the power status of America with its military is what is keeping the rest of the world peaceful. Um, That was an experiment, really, that came out of World War II, that America was in that position, and it was a case of, like, we need to stop fighting because next time we're going to destroy ourselves. Um, So Trump is kind of right that basically America is kind of funding these things. The majority of European countries' militaries have been totally and utterly reduced. Uh, so they've been investing in all kinds of other stuff while America has been investing in their military. So Trump is right on that. I'm not going to agree with him on a lot of things. Um, but um, but he is certainly right on that. But to withdraw America from things like NATO basically does mean that um, there's going to be global crisis. Um, although there has been called from several European countries for America to leave believe it or not. Belgium was one of them, which was surprised me. 
I don't know what Belgium has got against America. Um, but certainly, if you look at what's happening with the Ukraine now, I mean, if it wasn't for NATO, basically Russia would be would have gone into other countries by now. Uh, Consequently, if it wasn't for NATO, off. would it have gotten to this? Though I don't, I don't know. I think there's some critique of that as well. I think they've been things were, were pushed been, to a to a point. I feel like. well, whether or not they would have been successful is another thing because. Thing that they seem to have proven is that they weren't as much of a threat as we all thought that they were going to be. Um, but um, I don't know. I mean, the West has done very well at circulating other countries to try and keep them uh, um, in a in place. Uh, they've certainly done that to Russia. They've certainly been doing it to China. But at the very least, um, they have some kind of you know, semblance of democratic values that have to be upheld that are supposedly going to be um, integrated into the way that we deal with AI versus a place like China, where those values don't necessarily exist. Yeah. And that's where we've uh, got a massive, massive problem coming. And it's already a 1984 surveillance state with the help of algorithms and artificial intelligence. Yeah, uh, they've got a class system being devised by AI at the moment in China, where basically if you're pro-party, you've got more rights, more credits, more of a credit rating um, than people who are considered to be dissident or slightly dissident. It's not black and white. It's a great big shade Mm. of grey in the middle. Uh, But right down to the fact that you can't use certain shops Uh, your face is being used to make payment. Your face is being checked as to whether or not you have the right to use that shop. So what people are doing is actually finding, uh, befriending people who've got a better credit score so that they can do shopping for them. John, can we talk about some of this dangers to humanity that that you list here uh, of AI? And I think really, you know, there are things in there about like, well, you know, well, actually, let's let's go a little bit further. Dangerous to society, page 14. Let's talk about that. We've got things like, you know, the Terminator scenario where the AI destroys us or the Matrix, that type of thing that you see in science fiction. But um, if we could talk about just these things that will be more immediate, I think, Mm -hmm. if if this continues and and I want to say too, that just like, I I really feel that these companies have been given a way to just be cheap and they're just looking at their bottom line. And I think that it just shows that there's no foresight at all as to what the social consequences of some some of this would be. I mean, this, this article that I'll just probably um, link, and this is a fairly recent article. I mean, I think only the last few days, yeah, June 2nd. So the chat chat GPT took their jobs. Now they walk dogs and fix air conditioners. I mean, we're talking about people that are proofreaders, um, that write copywriters, yeah. people that write um, for, for companies, um, you know, depending on all this to like feed and clothe their families and the one guy, you know, he's going to go into, you know, they talk to a woman, they talk to a man, the man, he's going to go into like, um, you know, fix it, doing the HVAC, fixing air conditioner and, and heating units, you know, so he's going into a trade, which is great um, until the robot comes over to fix your, your air conditioner. And then she's talking about starting her own dog walking business, but it seems like we're just going to a future of just menial job types of things. Right. 
and, and like the job security. Yeah, I will do everything. Yeah. Well, what about the whole yeah. Fordist idea that people need to have enough money to buy your stuff or to spend money in the economy, et cetera. You can't just make all these people unemployed. It's going to affect your ability to even sell products to them. Yeah. I mean, that will totally affect growth um, right. as far as consumerism is concerned. Um, one of the predictions is that the global economy for the first time ever in history is going to start bubbling every 18 months. Um, so if you just think about that, where is that money going to and who is it going to be for? Because if we aren't all employed, it ain't coming to us. Right. Um, whereas now it's like, what, 1% of the um, global populace own, what is it? Is it a third of uh, the global wealth? I don't know it's, what the current figure is, but it's pretty disgusting. Yeah, it's going to be two thirds. So ninety nine percent of us will be sharing the the other <laughs> third between us. That's everybody, you know, um, practically. So one of the things with AI that is going to happen is it's going to make that growing gap between the haves and the have-nots much, much, much wider. Um, it's going to hollow out the middle class. Um, we are almost certainly going to end up seeing, well, in a lot of cities in this country, and I know in the States because I've seen um, seen the shanty towns in San Francisco, you've got people living on all the streets in tents, right? This is happening in Manchester. It's happening in London too. Um, we haven't organised ourselves into shanty towns like the Brazilians have, but that's probably just because it hasn't really started to happen yet. Mm -hmm. um but that is that it could actually be the case um so when you see all these buildings up the sides of hilltops uh, made out of corrugated sheet metal um and bits of wood that could actually be really the case um so uh, i mean to start off with the dangers of society um the first one is social control which we've already kind of discussed with china um what we could end up with, apart from the facial recognition, is emulation of personalities. Now, it's been argued that uh, this was already happening with um, al-Qaeda and that um, Osama bin Laden wasn't actually the person in half of the videos anyway, um, if you remember. But that could be happening actually to a lot of us. It's already happening in scams. There's already um, rec records of people who have believed that somebody on the phone that they're talking to who's in trouble is their child um, asking for financial help because they're stuck in a, a, some situation. One was a fake kidnapping, uh, which I believe was somewhere in the States. I can't remember whereabouts. Um, and it was actually her voice being emulated. And when they actually contacted their daughter, they found out that it had nothing to do with her at all. So this could be happening to a lot of us. Now, yes, criminals, but could the government, could the government put words in your mouth for whatever reasons? Um, so we could end up with an erosion of trust of the public, but we could also end up with an even more of an erosion of trust with the government. And that's something that we don't really want to be having because look at the problems that it's already caused uh, recently, wow. particularly in the States, I guess, with Capitol Hill, riots, etc. Yeah, and um, the, the whole potential of 
you know, deep fakes to cause disruptions, riots. I mean, who knows what if a million people got a fake video from from Trump calling them to action to do something or like whatever. I mean, the possibilities yeah. are endless. I, I think there was a fake uh, video of Putin not too like just in the last few days. Um, so who knows where that's coming from? I mean, that could be from our own intelligence or from the Ukrainians. Well, but, uh, yeah. Just as a really scary aspect of this, um, the whole idea of projecting images of Jesus over Cuba to get them to yeah, think the second meet, coming right? is here. Right. Well, what happens when Jesus starts appearing in videos? Um, there are people yeah. out there who are stupid enough to believe that because they already believe the uh, uh, the obviously blatantly CG um, footage of UFOs. Um, so, you know, but um, certainly uh, whoever owns the tech will be in charge in the same way that elites have always been the most powerful and wealthiest people. Uh, now, back in feudal times, that was going to be the what the warlords who then became the aristocracy in, in Europe and royalty and what have you, um, you know, and then industrialists and what, what have you, banks, you know, um, people like Rupert Murdoch, control of the media, etc. Um, it is now going to be, in fact, it could already be said that some of the tech companies um, Facebook did a weird little experiment where they put out a political um, um, uh, post that uh, was actually only given to a small group of people to see what would happen. And they actually created a lot more votes. So they've already done that and they've admitted to it. Um, what are the things that they haven't admitted to? So that puts Facebook in a hell of a position of power over the rest of us if they can start deciding who is going to be in charge of nations. Um, that's just one example. Um, so economic problems we've talked about, well, 1% earners versus the 9% um, and the widening gap that's going to create. Politics, we've already got this problem. Um, Cambridge Analytica, um, the company that basically was involved in uh, the Brexit leave campaign, targeting specific people in society over and over and over and over again on social media um, with um, the leave campaign, um, constantly telling them basically the reasons to stay in Europe were um, absolutely false and we're better off leaving. And consequently, that's the thing that tipped it. Um, in Instead the last of leading the army for some kind of operation like that, yeah. people can employ AI to it's do cheaper. What you need an army of trolls for. Yeah, it's actually cheaper to use this tech um, to uh, to persuade people than it would ever be to kind of like use a military campaign or even um, um, intelligence. Um, uh, Russian troll farms, obviously. Uh, that's a big one. Uh, how much involvement they had with the elections in the states last two um, is still debated. But one of the things that they have been involved with, and this is fascinating because you wonder why have they done that? They've been involved in all of the debates about all of our favorite science fiction franchises, um, calling Star Wars woke. 
um, you've destroyed Star Wars, um, slagging off uh, Doctor Who because Doctor Who is now a woman. Um, all kinds of little things that um, aren't in Russia's interest. But one of the reasons why they've done that is because they've realised that uh, actually to have the West arguing amongst ourselves is one of the biggest things against oh, yeah. the West uh, 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 surviving. Because whilst we're busy arguing, we're oh, not yeah. doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um so they're using they're actually using freedom of speech and democracy against us. So there's one other danger. Um so that's the the polarization of populist ideas is the biggest weapon against the democratic West survival. Uh AI and use in social media gives those companies more of a voice and the ability to control voting trends. As AI develops, the propaganda capabilities for deep fakes, untruths, false media is a threat to our way of life, Brexit being a typical example. The marginalised may revolt, leading to social unrest and in the extreme civil war. And that almost certainly is going to happen in the poorer nations that can't keep up because they haven't the ability to keep up. Which is why the Gates Foundation is trying very hard, apparently, according to their website, uh, posted, I think it was the 21st of May, that um, they want everybody involved in a big democratic discussion about what benefits us. That's everybody, all the people in the third world. Presumably, they're going to go and talk to Amazonian tribes and um, and, and pygmy bushmen in, uh, in Borneo and everybody uh, we will wait and see. I have a sneaky suspicion that the three of us will not be uh, invited to debate this. Oh, no. Left out. Uh, um, so unemployment, we've talked about that already. Um, Forbes actually uh, printed something. Goldman Sachs predicted 300 million jobs to be lost or degraded by artificial intelligence. That was the 31st of March, 2023. This is how recent all of this is. That's a lot of Um, people. Yeah. Hollywood reporter, as writer strike, AI could covertly cross the picket line, um, as we've already discussed. The employment choices are going to be precarious. Jobs are going to come and go. No one's going to be in a job for life, certainly, but are they really anymore anyway? Um... At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. One of the problems with AI compared to the previous um, revolutions of technology is that uh, something like automation, for example, it didn't uh, it affect employment. And so this won't either. That's the argument that they keep telling us. In fact, it's going to create new jobs. The new jobs it's going to be creating are going to be in building the infrastructure for the AI so that the AI can be in everything. Okay? So that's going to be boom and bust because those jobs aren't going to last. And who can um, work those jobs? I mean, they, they have to be heavily trained people. Exactly. Unless so it's you had be, like a, you know, uh, it could be deal type of situation where you just mobilize the workforce and teach, taught everybody how to code. It's 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 going to be it's going to be good for cons- people involved in construction. Yeah. Um, but how long their jobs will be there? Because if look, if this stuff can do art, <laughs> then it can do anyone else's job. Um, it's already making cars. So it's going to fix cars. That's that's not. If you can make something, you can break it. If you can break it, you can fix it. That is um, the thing. And um, with any future technology that comes out, it's it's not going to be people that is going to be fixing and making this stuff. But in the past, people like blacksmiths um, who were put out of work, they then went to work in industry. There were people involved in metallurgy and um, and doing things with metal. People who made carriages went to work in the car industry. So the skills were transferable. Problem with this is our skills aren't transferable. Once writers are gone, the AI industry doesn't require more writers somewhere else. It may provide jobs in the early days, but they aren't going to be there for long. Uh, A typical example of that would be... um, in the UK, we had um, the miners' strikes back in the 70s. The government decided to stockpile coal, so all the miners were very happy because they were getting paid over overpay and all this overtime pay, and they were doing very well for themselves. A lot of people left. They bought shops, all kinds of stuff. But then it was a forerunner to them actually closing the mines, and so all of that industry went, and then they were all out of work. And that's what it's going to be like. 
apparently, allegedly. Predict that's the prediction. All commerce, all commercial arts except fine art, physical theatre, etc., will be and already are affected. Uh, this was going to have a knock-on effect on the manufacturers of materials um, and software, right the way through to education. Um, because if there's no employment, then there isn't the training courses to for that employment. And so those educational institutions are going to end up collapsing because if they don't have people going there, they've got no funding, so they can't afford to run. So what are they going to do? The kind of jobs that are going to be going is that it's literally, literally everything. If these developers and the programmers think that they're safe, then that's nonsense because AI can do their job too. Um, a CEO's job can also be done. So at some point, it's going to catch all the way up. It's been predicted that there will be AI CEOs of corporations. Um, where is this going to leave us? Mark Zuckerberg, I'm not sure what he does all day. I think he already is AI. It's a good point. Yeah, he's 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 Lieutenant Commander <laughs> Data. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, 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 you're talking about a total hollowing out of civilization itself. Well, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so, so this struck me. Um, this is the danger to the social order and moving into like the danger to humanity in and of itself. Uh, yeah. You talk about this Austrian town, Marienthal. Yeah. 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 This was back in the 1900s. Uh, this place uh, was thriving, right? It had um, mills for doing uh, cotton and wool um, spinning and all of that was working into consumerism because the products were required and were needed. Um, so it was doing really, really, really well up until 1929 and the Great Depression came that basically um, wiped out the need for those goods because people were too poor to buy them. And so it was a knock-on effect. The spinning industry went, the woolen industry went. Um, 1,200 jobs went initially in this town. Um, and then it ended up affecting everybody because the people didn't have any money, so they weren't spending. And so the shops and all of the other things that were there to cater for the populace, they weren't in receipt of money either. <laughs> this broke down so much that uh, basically all of their social things collapsed as well. Um, debating societies went, um, the social clubs went, the libraries were empty, parks fell into disrepair. Now, because people were absolutely without, they just ended up becoming extremely negative and bitter. Then they started spying on each other and snitching on each other. So anybody who was on the dole, jealousies picked up, where have they got their money from? So they started uh, reporting um, each other to the authorities as being cheaters. And we see this already. This is one of the biggest arguments against welfare that, um, that that we see. Um, everyone who's on a benefit is a cheater. So we already see this happening, right. but this was to the point where they were actually reporting each other and falling out. And then this, yes, this is appalling for humans, but, but whenever there's an animal story, doesn't it always feel worse? <laughs> so, um, you know, you can run a human over, that's fine, don't run over the dog. Uh, the pets started to go missing. Um, people were reporting thefts. Probability is, is that they were killing their own pets to eat. And that entire society just collapsed. Okay, right. so now let's put that in 
I don't know, guys. Um, choose the city in um, in the Midwest. Yeah, I mean, some of those are already yeah. hollowed out enough by yeah. deindustrialization in the 80s and the drug ep- epidemic since. Pittsburgh Steel. But you add this to it, and it's yeah, really a ghost town. Yeah. So basically what it will mean is that you're going to end up with mass migration because that's also what happened in the Great Depression. People moved mm. to where the jobs were. But, right, if you think that you've got a problem with migration now, mm-hmm. what is going to happen when Mexico is even more skint and Venezuela is even more skint and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, there's going to be more people coming. Um there's a very good chance that I might be on my way. <laughs> um, literally, the West is being overrun with refugees already claiming asylum. Um, some of them with reason to. Some of some of the people are doing it for economic um, reasons. I mean, we've just made a big thing about getting rid of Albanians because Albania is a safe country. Why are Albanians coming to the UK when they're part of Europe? Um, and there's no war there. There's nobody being chastised or anything. So um, that's a typical example. We're going to end up with more people from poorer countries coming over. Um, now, whenever that happens, we know the right wing do not like it, and they are pretty much the first people to react. So this is going to lead to more bigotry. It's going to lead to more social problems. The next thing is... Um, the people that are already in our countries who are migrants, who haven't got themselves um, set up, what's going to happen to them? Because there's already lots and lots and lots of people who are seeking asylum. There's not, still not going to be anything for them to do. In fact, it's going to get worse. Mm-hmm. The British government's got this hideous thing going on with Rwanda where um, we're wanting to basically uh, send everybody who's not welcome onto a plane um, and uh, Rwanda are going to take them, believe it or not. That's uh, that's our wonderful solution. Um, you can't do that to everybody. If people are in need, then they're in need and you've got to provide asylum for them. We've always done this. Um but you don't have to if they're just moving for economic reasons, which is the um, the, the argument. So that's um, a massive one. Um, so uh, the evolution of the species is still at the same position that it was back in um, the Ice Age. We are no more sophisticated than we were back then. The technology, however, keeps getting more and more sophisticated. That's one of the reasons why people are getting left behind by it. That's going to continue. It's going to outsmart us. We may find that we don't understand how it's doing what it's doing. ChatGPT, believe it or not, the developers have already said that about it. They don't know how it's doing it. That's scary because this hasn't even been regulated yet, and this stuff is already here. Um and can you imagine the lawmakers, the type of people they are trying yeah. to regulate something like this that they have yeah. no, and they're already just going to be in the pocket of interests, but you know, even well, that, them well, trying to understand happens, this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They couldn't, they couldn't even understand Facebook whenever Zuckerberg yeah. was testifying. <laughs> I mean, they couldn't even understand that. So imagine yeah. them trying to understand this. Um, I mean, I'm a former 
academic university lecturer over there, a university professor, right? Um, I've got two master's degrees um, on top of a, a BA. Um, I'm not a thick person at all, but doing the research on this and trying to understand how a lot of these uh, earlier systems were actually worked, I didn't have a clue. It mm. was just psycho babble. They could have been saying anything. Um, so, um, you know, what, what does this mean for people who have limited education because they're from a social background where they haven't had the opportunities that others, uh, others have got? They are not going to be able to retrain. They're just not. No. I mean, I don't um, even think I could be retrained into computer science. I mean, oh, I I'm too much of a right brain, language based person. Um, I've never been able to tell the time on a on a clock, uh, unless it was digital, <laughs> because I have dyspraxia. There's loads of us with this um, spatial awareness issues. Um, you know, if a clock had two nines on it, I wouldn't notice. That's how bad it is. Okay. <laughs> so asking me to sort out AI, it ain't going to happen. Right. Um, okay. So, uh, okay. Using humans as a model, we can see that the more sophisticated humans exploit and take over less developed, sophisticated cultures, hence colonialism. So once this super intelligent thing is out there that we have released, that's cleverer than us, that can do better than us, more efficient than us, um, develop things faster than us, what do you think is going to happen to us? We are going to end up second-class citizens. We talked about the haves and the have-nots, but coupled with um, the empowerment of artificial intelligence, the uh, continuation of health disparities, things like uh, you know, really significant life extension and augmentation, which is just around the corner, we're talking yeah. about the Brave New World style distinct classes of people who are actually might become different biological races. Yeah. Um, well, if you were to look at a film like Blade Runner as an example, based yeah, on Philip K. Dick um, uh, book, Do Android Stream of Electric Sheep, uh, the people left on earth are the have nots. Mm -hmm. um, all the others have left and have, and have, have left earth. So I know there's loads of conspiracy theories about the um, the split off society that's already happened, and we've got um, we've got people in space already. Um, well, I'm not going to go there because I I've got no information on that at all. It sounds right. like science fiction to me, um, so I'm no expert at all. But that could really be a thing. That's also something that happens in the uh, William Gibson Sprawl yeah. trilogy books. Absolutely. Um, the elites are in, in space stations. <clears throat> um, Merged with machines. Yeah. Um, people haven't got a home. They're hiring capsules to sleep in. Um, they're renting them over for a night. I mean, the views Japan is a big model for some of these things. Um, and one of the reasons for that in uh in Blade Runner was because uh, the Asians were seen as basically being the underclass. And that's why there's so much Japanese and Asian um, imagery in um, in Blade Runner, but um, also in, uh, in the cyberpunk books of uh, William Gibson. That isn't necessarily how it's going to actually be. Japan's been on uh, doing this for a long, 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 long time. They've got a very different attitude to us as well, which we haven't got. 
they have a concept of animism and pantheism, that um, God is in everything, um, that everything has its own spirit. So that basically means that AI will be considered to be alive, not just alive, but the unit that it's in will be considered to be alive because it already is considered to be alive. If a rock is alive, a computer is alive. So they've got a totally different concept happening there altogether. We don't have that in the West. That could change things really badly for for the West. At some point, AI may require rights like humans. Um, Do AI get a salary? Um, do people start having relationships with AI? That's not absurd. People in Japan are already having relationships with pillows with cartoon characters printed on them. That's a thing. Um, It may seem ridiculous to us, but there's been all kinds of things that have seemed ridiculous to us um, with what the Japanese have been doing for a long time, and uh, then we get it. We're already getting ads on Instagram for AI uh, romantic partners that you can interact with. Yeah. So um, I was sent an Instagram picture of um, a a girl with um, an AI boyfriend. Apparently they'd married. Um, What happens when people decide that they are AI? You know, prove to me that I'm not. Prove to me that I'm not an AI. Can you do it? Yeah, they might have it better off. People might want to start being that, yeah. Um. This is something that could happen. Um, why couldn't there be uh, cloned humans that have AI running them? Um, why couldn't there be humans who've uploaded themselves to the internet, um, as in, um, oh, well, I can't remember what the TV program was called on Netflix, something Carbon. Altered Carbon, is it? I think that's it. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, so for longevity reasons, you upload your entire soul. Um, it, in reality, it probably isn't going to be your soul, but it's going to be your likeness. Um, and how would you know you're dead? <laughs> so everyone else is still interacting with what they think is you, but it's actually not. It's just a construct. Um, but that could be put into a, an empty body. Um, that could be a reality yet perhaps a long way off. Um, So all those people who've got problems with uh, woke culture now, you ain't seen nothing yet. You really, really haven't. Because what happens when people start having fashion um, accessories implanted into them? Uh, There's enough people already still with a problem with people getting piercings and tattoos. Um, What are they going to do when they start seeing people with two heads? Or blue skin or all kinds of things that could that could literally happen across between genetics and AI. Um, a more beautiful, colourful world, perhaps. Mm. So that's uh, all these things to do without performing is the main thing is, is it's going to destroy our sense of purpose, which we've already discussed. Work yeah. is actually really needed. Um, if AI decides that we're surplus to requirement, that is a strong possibility. How do humans treat animals? Generally, not that well, unless they're cuddly pets. Um, The only reason why cows aren't extinct is because we eat them. You know, you're not going to see a cow in a zoo. Um, We haven't got a good track record. We're not treating orangutans well, uh, etc. Why should it treat us well? Um, 
if it decides that we are a pest and that we're in the way of it obtaining its goals, it might have reason to eradicate us. There was um, a case that's been reported recently for the American general who had said that a certain experiment had taken place. Um, the military have retracted it and said, no, it was a thought experiment, uh, which all sounds very much like Roswell all over again. Flying saucers are here. No, they're not. Um, so whether or not this has actually happened or not, we are being now being told it didn't. An AI drone could not do its objective, blowing an object up, because the operator started trying to get it back on track. And so the way that it actually reacted was to kill the operator. So the next thing they tried to do was change the signaling going to the drone. So it turned around and blew up the signal tower. So the main analogy for this um, actually, I believe, came from Nick um, uh, Bostrom. He had this thing called the paperclip analogy. Um, uh, AI set to make paperclips. All it does is make paperclips. It doesn't have anything in there to stop it from making paperclips. What happens when it's making too many paperclips and everything is paperclips? Humans get in the way, trying to stop it. It doesn't stop. It tries to now eradicate humans because humans are trying to stop it from gaining its objective. Um, eventually, it's going to run out of resources on the planet. So now it's going to try and get off world. It's now going to go to other planets looking for resources to continue making paperclips. Once the solar system's out of resources, where's it going to go? It's going to get to the next solar system. Eventually, this is going to be in the entire galaxy. It's still making paperclips. It's now the entire universe is all used up. There's nothing left in the universe apart from this one lonely AI thinking, how can I continue to make paperclips and a whole bunch of paperclips? Um, maybe that's how we so, got here. Maybe. Now, so here's the thing, um, just as a thought experiment, there could be civilizations out there who've already achieved this before we have. Have we got someone else's AI paperclip maker coming our way. AI isn't even made by us. This is coming to us, and it's going to be start turning us into paperclips. There's no reason why not. Um, okay, so um, religion and spirituality. Yeah, because we've talked about all these upsets in human society and, and the relationships between people, but... There's also the larger spiritual philosophical questions that are yeah. that are not being considered. You know, what is the nature? All this goes to the most fundamental questions about the nature of consciousness, about life, the soul, everything. Well, there has been machines used in religion in the past. Um Buddhist prayer wheels being powered by water so that it's continuously moving and continuously doing the prayer. That was that happened um, ages ago. Um, in Europe, there's been uh, mechanical priests that are continually doing absolutions on people, believe it or not, and praying for people. Um, there was um, knights, uh, mechanical knights in uh, Renaissance times. Da Vinci was really into the gear mechanisms of making these things be able to move. Um, so, so it, it's kind of all, yeah, aut automator. Um, it's been a part of things already. Um, 
I was amazed in Thailand in the Buddhist temples, they've got slot machines that you put money in and a prayer will come out of it and um, you can meditate and pray along with it. So that's already a thing. But now that it's autonomous um, and it's more sophisticated than we are, it's more intelligent than we are, it can do more than we can, better than we can, is this now not a god? It's immortal, right? It can't die unless it's unplugged or its, it's electricity is gone. So um, that's just one thing. Um, no, it's not a god. Obviously, it's artificial. We've made it. But in Shinto, in the Japanese culture, that's a living thing. It has its rights. So if um, you can pray to a river god, why can't you pray to an AI um, being? Um, so we could end up with cults. Mm -hmm. um, let's face it, there's been crazier cults already based upon um, utter nonsense. So why shouldn't there be th this as well? Um, okay, um, our concept of consciousness may need to change to fit. W whether AI is alive or not, that's going to be a massive schism for the West. Um, the idea of what a god is is going to likely to be changed. Um, do you remember Android's Dream of Electric Sheep, the book that Blade Runner was based on? I don't know if either of you have yep. read that. There's actually uh -huh. a religious cult in there. Everybody watches a box. Um, they find themselves in, in almost like a virtual reality setting climbing up a hill. No one really knows why they're climbing up the hill, but everybody does it. So that's another example of what could actually um, uh, happen. Um, the social control from religions could collapse, leading to social disorder as the religions cannot provide answers with regards to the new technological future because it hasn't had AI in it. The Bible doesn't mention AI. So what's the stance? Um, how, how do we deal with this now? Um, the AI could actually prove that religions are untrue. There's no reason why it couldn't do that. There's plenty of atheists in the world already. Lots of scientists are already atheists based upon the uh, diagnosis of science. Okay, So if we get more and more advanced, what if AI proves God does not exist? Now what? There's lots of social disorder and fallout that can come from this. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that people's interaction with just chat GPT and even Google is almost oracular already. Yeah. Um, so effectively, they're agree with that. You know, consulting it like an oracle and mm -hmm. are engaging in some kind of... I, I had um, friends on Facebook um, make Dionysius in mid-journey um, and then apply... Um, some of the software to make its head turn. And um, within about five minutes, they were talking about whether or not this was um, spiritual and whether or not this was divine. Um, well, and the conclusion was this, that it, this is devotional. They'd already made yeah. their mind up. It's not, it's an algorithm. Well, it's not Dionysius. I've thought for a long time, you know, if um, I'm not a strictly materialist, person and i think that on some level biology and maybe in particular human biology is some kind of you know interface to another side to consciousness whatever that is that maybe comes from somewhere else um or is a hidden realm here among us but 
with that same kind of logic, could us creating this 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 stargate or portal maybe uh, maybe the same consciousness that we are would come through, but maybe it'd be something else entirely that could you know be completely antithetical to us. Well, I mean, could it be that we are already the surviving AI of a previous civilization? We're just a biological AI. Could we yeah. be that? Um, so it's like the know. plot of the of uh, the reboot of Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Oh, the Xylons. Typical example of the danger of AI. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. I mean, um, if... It's right that the universe is a simulation and that we are in it. That means two things. It means that we are AI. Um, or if we are players in a game um, and the game is the simulation, is everybody around us players? Are, play are the people out there who are non-player characters? And are they AI? There's religious context to this as well. Um, we're getting into matrix territory yeah. here. And beyond disrupting an economy, disrupting philosophical and spiritual foundations of yeah. humanity is has even more consequences. And, and, and can you imagine yeah. the paranoia, the anxiety, the suicide rights, all kinds of things like that that could, um, could come from this? Um, I mean, that BBC program, Ghost Watch, led to a um, certain amount of people committing suicide because they were so frightened of it. Um, what happens when they discover that Nietzsche was right? God is dead. Um, you know, AI's killed it or whatever. There's all kinds. Well, one of the last things that I've got on that, okay, is AI does not require the same resources that we do to survive. We are constrained to um, oxygen. We need oxygen. We need food. Um, we need our health. All of those things depend upon our environment. AI doesn't require that. It requires electricity. Um, if the ecology collapses, which things are happening, obviously, with global warming already, um, the causes and all of that is another debate altogether, but we know that something's going wrong. Um, AI can survive when we don't, basically. It can survive in space in a way that we can't. It's very difficult for people to be involved in space travel because of the conditions of space, the way it affects people's muscles, how long it takes to get to other places, etc. We'd have to have a complete technological um, breakthrough to be able to create warp drive and all of that kind of thing. This isn't an issue for AI. AI can go to space and survive as long as it's got some way of creating energy um, to keep it running. That's all it requires. So there's another serious problem with it uh, with regards to um, humans, because if it decides that we are surplus to requirement, it's not going to care about the world's ecology and the ecosystem's collapsing. Or maybe it would be the... Uh savior of all of that and that's what they're telling us, us. <laughs> if you look at the tech companies and what they're telling us the utopia that is coming are the reversal of all of those things right and it, i don't think it would be fair without kind of admitting that that there is a utopian argument that we're all going to be much better off we're going to have more time to do creative things um we're all going to be given a basic um 
paycheck by the government. That experiment is starting in this country, by the way, um, the town of Jarrow and Finchley, which I believe is London. Um, I might be totally wrong about that. Apologies to anyone in Finchley. There's um, small groups there that are going to be in receipt of £1,600 a month basic wage to see how it works basically to see whether or not they end up listless and <laughs> decide to start killing one another, like in uh, the Austrian town. So, I mean, that is one solution. If we don't need to work, but then who's going to pay us? Um, where is the money coming from to pay us? It's going to mean tax increase, but tax increase, but for who? This is one of the things when it comes down to the regulations again, which they're calling for. Uh, there's a lot of people coming forward, um, open AI, um, have yeah. just recently done one. Uh, Musk did one back in March. The leaders um, of the industry themselves are, are asking for regulation. More terrified than anybody, it seems. Yeah. Like. So, I mean, this isn't conspiracy theory, as we understand conspiracy theory to be, um, of, oh, it's all just claptrap. This is never going to happen. It's enough that they themselves are standing mm -hmm. up and asking the governments to regulate themselves. Um, as far as I'm aware, the Illuminati have never uh, come forward and asked to be regulated by governments yet. I may um, want to hope there is an Illuminati. <laughs> if there is an Illuminati, they're behind it. So, uh, so yeah, that's a, it's a serious debate. I mean, I can't remember what your show's called over there. We have a show called Loose Women. You've got the same thing with Whoopi Goldberg um, hosting with a group of other women. And they sit around the them view, lunchtime and view, gossip. Yeah. The view. Um, this debate was on that in this country today. They were talking about it. So it is filtering down and it's getting absolutely everywhere now. The problem is, is how many people can even remotely start to understand it? Because I, I can't say that I do. I understand the arguments and the debate. I don't understand how AI works. I don't well, understand and, any and of it. I think the, ma the majority of the, you know, I don't want to be disparaging here but you know the computer people uh, a lot of them don't have this cultural and human element and context like people like us do and they're the ones creating this stuff yeah um so i mean you know who's uh, got the missing element i think the danger is really in exactly i mean um I mean, as a cliche, there's uh, all of this stuff is being developed by people like Sheldon Cooper, who aren't um, connected to society in the same way that the rest of us are. Don't even see the world in the same way as the rest of us. Don't have the same empathy, etc. Um, you know, that could be an insult to an awful lot of these people. I'm yeah. sure. Um, so I'm just putting that out there as a hypothetical thing. That is how most people are seeing boffins and um, these technicians, um, etc. Um, my partner tells me the people she's working with um, um, are all very, very, very nice people. I have no reason to doubt that, that they all have interests. They all have concerns of their own, etc. But they're working for a corporation. They're getting a paycheck at the end of the day. Do we want to talk about the conspiracy world aspect of this, Sergio? I want to do it a little bit here and just um, okay. say that, you know, this this all has been a part of the discussion of the most the most paranoid uh, elements. And I would I would call this like um, it fits into the end game ideas that conspiracy theory has been developing. You know, Alex Jones really helped push that along. 
with this mm-hmm. idea, you know, that you've already had these conspiracy narratives and memes of this global elite who are trying to, you know, control yeah. the world, make a world government, enslave us all, et cetera. But now, oh, I'm sure that, David Dykes um, considered yeah. it and talked about it. The more as well. that this technology has has been incorporated into this narrative, I'm already being bombarded with like conspiracy material on on uh, social media apps that's saying that it's this uh, tech elite that has transhumanist goals, you know, who wants to control us and 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 uh, monetize our biological information to create some crazy control grid, all this kind of shit, you know, and it's like... The thing is, that's well, that already seems totally, actually happened. It's already happened. Uh, yeah, it seems uh, totally and, wacky and to opt, us, but... Our, uh, and our, we've opted for it. Uh, we, we joined social media where that is already happened. Are we paranoid enough, you know? We've got, we've got mobile phones on us. Um, they never needed to put a chip in us. Yeah, we agreed... Yeah to own phones you know so that's already true uh, the algorithms are already monitoring us which is why um i find it laughable every time i go on youtube because i haven't declared on social media that i'm in a relationship social media believes that i'm um, a single man so every time i go on youtube i'm getting adverts for um, thai and ukrainian brides yeah <laughs> <laughs> So there's a bonus to not be involved in these things because it doesn't know you. But I mean, it's um, gonna it's leading to a literal, you know, and it may be warranted, but it's it's a literal demonization of these elites that they actually are trying to, you know, channel some, you know, it's like Lovecraftian. They're they're channeling some elder gods from beyond through this technology. They want to be immortal. They want to be literal God Kings. The reaction that that's going to cause among a lot of the general populace, along with being, you know, out of jobs, all these other upheavals going on. It's a type of reactionary soup that can let us back into fascism quick. I wrote this in a short story, which um, you can find in an Eighth Tower Productions book called The Black Stone, um, an anthology of Lovecraftian mythos tales. Um, I wrote a story called Polybius after the game, the arcade game um, that was supposedly brainwashing people, um, some MK Ultra experiment. Yeah, and I yeah. tied it into Nyarlathotep, who in the Lovecraftian story basically was using technology to do things like this took it right the way through to Nyarlathotep is the embodiment of technology and the internet is Nyarlathotep's consci- conscious in our lives already. Um, so, um, yeah, I have already written that. Um, I'm sure other people probably have as well. It sounds very Cronenberg. Um, uh, I mean, if we think that, you know, conspiracy theory is crazy now and having negative implications on wider society... This type of stuff is going to create way, you know, crazier, scarier conspiracy narratives, and and it a lot of it might be halfway true. I mean, are yeah. most are we paranoid enough? You know, that's that's what I think the, well, the question is. You know, I I would say that I did get paranoid when I saw what it could do to my career. I got very, very, very paranoid. I got very angry. Got very bitter. Um, I went through all of the grief things that you get uh, when somebody dies, you know. Um, I was mourning, actually. I was mourning. The one thing that I can actually do (laughs) 
<laughs> to a relatively decent standard um, was just basically being taken away from me by a group of people who actually were, had only just done this thing as an experiment. So I've already been there. I'm chill. I'm much more chilled than than I am. Um, certainly, knowing that the show was coming and that I was going to get to the end of having to read all this stuff. But um, um, I mean, I did vow that I was never going to look at AI ever again um, or talk about it. Uh, and, um, and that is impossible because it's now everywhere on our media. So I can't avoid it. None of us can avoid it. Are we paranoid enough? I would say um, on the whole, no. I would say on the whole, no. Most people don't know what's coming. They are going to be blindsided. Typically, Typical example is my friend Raphael, that um, I, I'm an associate uh, publisher with Eighth Tower uh, Publications, and he's the owner. Um, he's in Italy, and I was talking with him about this on um, on Saturday night um, in a Zoom talk, just discussing our future projects. And he was saying, no, this is not happening. It's not true, John. It's uh, not, None of this is real. Um, it's fantasy. It's... Um, it's the usual doom and gloom put out by the media. You can't trust the news. You can't trust the media. All they want to do is sell you bad stories. Um, if this was true, uh, we would be hearing about it in Italy. The, the people listening to the podcast can't see the face that I've just pulled because I think that's really, really sad that Italy aren't having this discussion because uh, they've, they have been an important nation. Um, they are part of the West. Why are, is this not being discussed there? Why is it not being debated? Why was he unaware of what it's doing to music already? He was saying if it was involved in music, I would know, John, I'm a musician. Yeah. Uh, and, and I was feeling a bit stumped as to what to and say. he's an to electronic him. musician, right? He's an electronic musician, a, 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 a traditional musician originally. But he said, oh, I've tried some of the AI music stuff. I wondered if I could actually use it. And it was shit. He said it was just churning out stuff For that now. a child would do. But yeah, that's always the thing to say. When anybody says this stuff to you, that's maybe what it's like now. It's changing quicker than we can keep up with it. If people are to retrain and to go into these new jobs that are going to be created by AI, by the time that they've trained, that training will already be outdated. So it's going to be continuous catch-up. Um, do I sound manic? <laughs> no, it makes sense. <laughs> do I, I think sound the only bad? solution is to have a, a conscious cultural movement uh, for people to, you know, develop a code of ethics for how they're going <laughs> to handle this to value, you know, to maybe even more so value human creativity. Maybe this will, you know, create uh, some positive reactions as well. Well, this is what they're hoping for, for this um, call out for regulations. But the big question is, um, there's a lot of humans on the planet who don't all belong to our culture. Um, we could even say, basically, between the UK and America, we've got different cultures. Winston Churchill said we were two nations divided by a language because of all the language differences between us. Um, do we have shared interests? Um, I don't see a lot of shared interests between the north of this country and the south of this country. Um, are your sh If you've got shared interests between each state... Have you got shared interests between each political um, party? 
at the moment you don't. You're incredibly divided, as are we. So if as a nation, if we haven't got the same shared interests, how can we possibly decide on the shared interests of an entire species? Um, you know, you've got some places where people have still got cargo cults um, because they've seen an aeroplane and they think that it's a god. That's a thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, what's, their, what's their interest? What's in it for them? We, we've seen how colonialism has um, as, as damaged lots of countries um, in the past. And corporations are an extension of colonialism. Uh, they're, they're the colonialism surviving, still exploiting um, poorer cultures and, um, and poorer countries. Um, and and uh, hearing people shouting, oh, my God, he's a communist. Um, <laughs> but um, no, I'm not, actually. I'm not a communist at all. Um, I'm somebody with... Uh, um, a sense of of justice, I think. And I think a lot of those things have been very, very wrong. And I think I can say that as a British person. The British have exploited people all over the world. These corporations don't have our interests at heart. They have money at heart. They have the economy at heart. Just keep remembering, the economy is going to double every 18 months. Who are the winners going to be? That's all. That's right. all. Right. Exactly. Great quote from Blade Runner. This was Dr. Eldon Terrell um, in charge of the Terrell Corporation who made the replicants, the artificial humans. I can't remember if they were actually AI or if they were clones, you know. I think they were, they were a mixture of both. I, I, I don't yeah. remember. Yeah, they're yeah I think it's kind of ambiguous, yeah, but yeah. But this is a line. He said, commerce is our goal here at Terrell. More human than human is our motto. Um, a lot of people don't appreciate that Philip K. Dick's book that Blade Runner was based upon was satirical. Um, it has lots of comedy in it. The film isn't a thorough representation of the book. In fact, the story is very different. Um, it, it's, it's a real satire. And in the same way that Brave New World was... Um, also um, an attempt at satire of things um, of its day. Um, so that line isn't um, too far from the truth. It's, um, it's the satire of corporations and their attitude. Well, and that kind of those fears about a brave new world, you know, that came from a satire about a uh, positivist and uh, ideas that you could scientifically manage populations, but, um, you know, with some kind of guiding philosophy, but this is happening in the absence of any positive positivism, any agenda, any plan, any kind of, you know, even an enlightened elite. I mean, it's, right. there's nothing, no guiding light. I, I mean, if anyone thinks that China's um, ideas of AI are going to be comparable to the West's ideas of AI regulations, um, then they are incredibly foolish because um, they're already using it as for social control. Um, we haven't got there yet to a degree, although it has been used in this country already. Face recognition software has been used on the streets. Um, the problem with facial recognition is that it was trained on white men 
because white men were the people that were uh, doing the development, right? This was discovered by a black scientist at MIT um, who's written a big paper on it and has come out and saying um, AI is marginalising people. Um, she's also female, so she feels doubly marginalised by this, particularly when um, on the streets of London, um, it's there's groups of officers using the facial recognition software and putting people to one side and then basically finding out what it is that they've done or not done. Um, one of the ones that was recorded was a black teenager on his way to school um, and his friends were involved saying, he hasn't done anything, what's the matter? It just couldn't, it just struggled with the fact that he had um, African features. So, I mean, do we need a conspiracy theory? No. Stranger than fiction. Yeah. If you want to go well, even further, you've got the Gates Foundation, the Bill Gates. There's all kinds of conspiracy theories about him, um, et cetera, and what he's up to with Africans and population control. Um, and he's one of the people at the forefront of this. Um, truth or not. I don't know. But I mean, it's already all that, all that conspiracy theory is already, you know, way ahead of all this and all the, you know, if, if the sensible people aren't worried about this stuff too, you know, it's, it's bad. I think that's the thing. Starting to close up here, but it's to say that, you know, this is, this is scary. I mean, this is a scary world that we might end up living in, you know, and I'm glad that I'm kind of approaching my late forties. Cause I don't know if, if <laughs> I would want to live in a world like this, you know, like it's, it's, it's frightening. It's just, yeah. but again, it's just, you know, it's, it's that they just want to do this because it's cool, you know? <laughs> and, and that's the thing, but they don't realize the social ramifications of this. They don't the, realize the social ramifications have never been taken into account. The driving force of AI oh. has actually been a challenge. Uh, people have said things like, oh, it may be able to do that, but it will never beat a grand chess master. And then yeah. in what, um, was it 2007, Deep Blue beat Gary Kasparov? Um, right. Oh, it can never do a painting. It can't do art. Well, now it actually is doing art. That's been the driving force. Oh, can we do that? That's a good idea. Can we, let's challenge ourselves and do it. Yeah. it. That's been the driving force. It hasn't been regulated from the start. Yeah. I guess well, it's forcing us on. to deal with the other too, you know, complete. It's yeah. forcing completely materialist yeah. paradigm people to encounter the other, something that people in all the weird mm-hmm. stuff we're into are, are, you know, familiar with. Tulpas, egregores. Um, is this not an extension of that perhaps? Um, you know, there's there's an argument. If you actually look at um, a lot of the John Cale stuff, um, there's questions there, particularly his uh, re- reportings on men in black in the Mothman prophecies, etc. They don't sound as if they're anything but AI. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, if a species is coming here from another planet, there's a very good chance that it is using AI to do it. Um, there's a very good chance that grey aliens are AI. 
Um, it would certainly work with some of the abduction stories of seeing clones in drawers on UFOs, the way that they behave in units, because there's been um, um, small robots that have been made, made that actually work in a swarm. Um, so I don't know. There's plenty of conspiracy theory stuff if you wanted to go down that route um, and paranormal stuff if you want to go down that route. Um, is channeling um is that not also kind of tulpa and egregore related is that not a, a form of artificial intelligence uh ritual magic how much of that is psychological and not an outside force so therefore is that um an, an alternative part of yourself is that an artificial aspect you you're creating on the spot there's all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. yeah but what's relevant is that it's actually happening on our, our in our lives now uh, digitally the question is, is what can we do? We can rebel against it, but those rebellions never work. They're always put down. There was a town in the northeast of England that was bombed by the Navy um, for um, having um, pro-Marxist socialist ideas, uh, I think back in around the time of the First World War. So uh, the, the Royal Navy actually bombed their own people. There's plenty of examples. Spartacus, that didn't work. There's the slaves uprising. Um, if we are the slaves, how do we combat the military aspect of this? Um, John Connor, did that work out for him? I don't know. <laughs> um, will the robots rise up like Spartacus? Because that happened in an episode of uh, uh, Judge Dredd in 2000 AD, they had robot wars um, and they were in a hell of a state and Dredd and others had to put it down. Um, there's all kinds. I, Robot, uh, the mm-hmm. movie more than the book. It's a book's all kinds of different things. But yeah, the, so the, the only obvious thing to do is to adapt with it. But how do we adapt? I'm still trying to find out ways that I can. Brave new world. Yeah. Well, John, I, yeah, I think it's a great discussion. We've gone for, I think, about two hours now. Oh, guys, I'm hey. sorry. No, we didn't even cover half of what I'd, what I'd put in my notes either. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I just, I just want to say, I want to thank you for coming on and talking about this. I mean, this has been a fascinating discussion. Always. And, um, Whenever you want me, you know. Sure. Sure. Um, you know, uh, I, I just, I guess to say where, you know, the usual spiel, you know, where people can find you, where, you know, and uh, I will also try to put that, uh, put, put your writing on that you said, the list that you sent on the, the show notes as well. People can link to that, but where can people find you and, and, and uh, they want to contact you and all that. And buy um, some illustrations. Right. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> can I just point out? That Eighth Tower Productions has uh, publications has just put out a um, a combination of a CD of uh, dark ambient music um, with a collection of Edgar Allan Poe, fully illustrated by myself. Do you know what? If people went out and bought that, that would support an artist who's about to lose his job. Yes. <laughs> so um, go and do it, please. <laughs> But um, I can tell you that the illustrations are fabulous, even they though are. I did them they myself. Um, we've also got a version of Dracula, if people are interested. It's the 125th anniversary of Dracula, so we, we've done the same for Dracula. Um, all the music is done by uh, people from around the world, international uh, musicians. Um, you're, 
your friend uh, David was very into it, wasn't he? I seem to uh, remember. Yeah, definitely um, got David's interest for sure. So, uh, I mean, the, the the music CDs are basically like uh, a film soundtrack. So you've got a music score to listen to whilst you're reading. Um, and I don't think that there's anything else like that happening um, in the music or in the writing uh, world. Um so um, I've also got a comic coming out with Chris McCauley and Claudia Christensen, who some of you might know from Babylon 5. She was also in Dallas, and um, I think, and several other things. Um, that's uh, Cthulhu versus the Three Musketeers. Or I think it's just the Musketeers versus Cthulhu. It was an idea that Tim Mendes uh, had. Um, which was an anthology of short stories, and Chris took it. He's developed into a comic strip. There's also an RPG um, to do with that as well. So I'm involved in all kinds of lots of things whilst I still can. Uh, people can find me on Facebook, believe it or not. I've still got an <laughs> art page there. <laughs> you probably won't get an answer from me unless you message me. Um, but... Um, uh, how else can people get hold of me? All of the old traditional methods sent a carrier pigeon because I'm done with social media. <laughs> and you can <laughs> you can find your stuff by just Googling your name too. You've got lots of stuff. If you it. go on Amazon and put it, put John D. Chadwick in, uh, I, I'm using John D. Chadwick because there's another artist out there called Chadwick St. John who I don't know. Um uh, he's done an album cover for Dark Throne, which I was really, really annoyed about because that's practically my name, and people have thought it was me, and it's not. Yeah, <laughs> that's really irritated me. Using his introduction <laughs> to Dark Throne, <laughs> so I'm giving him a plug, even though I don't know him. I'm not Chadwick Saint John. Um, I am John Chadwick, <laughs> John D. Chadwick. Think John D. It is actually my initial, but it works, doesn't it? Um, so you can find me. Lots of books that are that I've written um, are out oh. there. And Eighth Tower, you can go to the Bandcamp website where you can see all kinds of stuff. Uh, you can listen to the music without paying for it, actually. But it would be good if you did because that would support creative people, not creative AI. Um, so that's it. All Excellent. Right. Well, excellent. Uh, guys, always, you know, Conspiranormal, you can find us just where new podcasts are. And also we have a Patreon uh, that Sergio can tell you where to find that. You can find that at patreon.com slash Conspiranormal. All right. And Strange Realities Conference coming up at the beginning of November, November 4th, November 3rd through the 4th, to, through the 5th. So hopefully you can join us online or you can join us in Nashville, which would be great. So we have that going on here in November. So I think uh, other than that, we'll go ahead and end the show. And guys, join us next week on Conspiranormal. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.